the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And in the verses that follow, we're going to find that there are four ways that a person can ensure a tragic and eternal death. By being self-righteous, by being worldly, by being unbelieving, or by being willfully ignorant. Well, I trust you don't find yourself on that list, but even if you do, there is hope. And Pastor Leighton Sheely is going to share more about that on today's edition of Study Verse by Verse, an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for joining us today. You can find out more about the church, Church of the Highlands, at highlands.us. The summertime is a great time to get your your whole family involved in a local church. And the specifics about what's going on at Church of the Highlands are right there on the website. Here's Pastor Layton. So he said to them again, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says where I'm going, you cannot come? Now, they ask this question, will he kill himself, sarcastically. It's interesting that those who were committed to taking his life were the ones who asked if he was intending to commit suicide. They did accurately understand that Jesus was speaking of his death. Well, Jesus would die, but not by his own hand, rather by the hands of perhaps those who were gathered this day or others like them. But he was not going to the place in which they... Uh, They thought that he was going. He was going to heaven, not hell. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees were the epitome of self-righteous humans. And they and those who follow their example and trust in things such as good works, morality, and religious activities to save them, and who refuse to admit their inability to contribute anything to their own salvation, will likewise die in their sins. The self-righteous will never see heaven. Now, Jesus made this clear in Luke chapter 18 when he told the parable of the Pharisee and tax collector. The scriptures read, Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. The other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying... Oh, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So the message of John chapter 8, verse 22, is that a person can miss salvation by being self-righteous. 
by considering that they can contribute something to their own righteousness or right standing before God. And the message of the verse that follows is that we can also miss salvation by being worldly rather than godly. Verse 23, he said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. So Jesus ignored the mocking suggestion that he was going to commit suicide. Instead, he pointed out that their origin, like their destiny, was altogether different than his. They were from a completely different realm. They were from below. They were part of this world. He then goes on to draw a series of contrasts. His opponents are of this earth. He's from heaven. They're of this world. He's not of the world. Now, John frequently talks about the world. And uh, the Greek word there is cosmos or cosmos. And he, and he uses it in a way that's unique. The cosmos is the opposite of heaven. Jesus came from heaven into this world. He was sent by God into the world. He is not of the world. His opponents are of the world. The cosmos is the changing life, transient life in which we live. And it is all that a human is opposed to that is, that is divine. And, and yet the cosmos is not separated from God. First and foremost, it is God's creation. It was through God's word that his world was made. And different as the world is from heaven, there is no unbridgeable gulf between them. Moreover, the cosmos is the object of God's love. God so loved the world that he sent his son. God so loved the cosmos that he sent his son, Jesus said in John 3.16. However different it may be from all that is divine, God has never abandoned the cosmos. It is the object of his love and the recipient of his greatest gift. But at the same time, there is something wrong with the cosmos. There's a blindness in it. When the creator came into the world, it didn't recognize him. The world does not know God. In fact, there's a hostility to God in the cosmos and its people. The world hates Christ and hates his followers. And in its hostility, Christ's followers can only expect trouble and tribulation. The hallmarks of this world are materialism, humanism, immorality, pride, and selfishness. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It is utterly opposed to divine truth, righteousness, virtue, and holiness. Its opinions are wrong. Its aims, selfish. Its pleasures, sinful. Its influences, demoralizing. Its politics, corrupt. Its honors, empty. Its smiles, phony. Its love, fickle. So here we have this fascinating sequence of facts. The world is separate from God, and yet between it and God, there's no gulf that cannot be spent. God created the world. God loves it. God sent his son into it. And yet in it is this blindness and hostility to him. There's only one possible conclusion. G.K. Chesterton once said that there was only one thing certain about man. That man is not what he was meant to be. There's only one thing certain about the cosmos. It is not what it was meant to be. Something has gone wrong. That something is sin. It is sin that separated the world from God. 
It is sin that blinds it to God. It is sin that is fundamentally hostile to God. And into this world, which has gone wrong, comes Christ. And Christ comes with the cure. He brings forgiveness, cleansing, strength and grace to live as man ought to and make the world what it ought to be. But a man can refuse a cure. A doctor might tell a a patient that there's a certain treatment that can restore that patient to health if they accept it. And if they don't accept it, death is inevitable. And that's what Jesus is saying here. If, If you will not believe that I am who I am, you will die in your sins. There's something wrong with the world. Anyone can see that. Only the acceptance of Jesus Christ's As the Son of God and obedience to his perfect wisdom, acceptance of him as Savior and Lord can cure the individual and cure the world. According to the book of Revelation, Jesus will someday say, Behold, I make all things new. Everything will be restored to the perfection that existed before sin entered into the cosmos. Those who place their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will experience the new heavens and the new earth. So the first way to miss salvation is to be self-righteous, verse 22. The second is to be worldly, focused on this world rather than heaven, verse 23. And the third is to be unbelieving. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now here, Jesus' meaning is a bit different. He When he says, I am from above, he is describing himself as a being from a different order. In this passage in John's gospel, as in other passages, the statement, I am, is used absolutely and without a predicate. And when the Lord uses the unqualified phrase, I am, the he is actually not there in the Greek text, it is nothing less than a direct claim to deity. Remember the story in Exodus chapter 3 where Moses comes before God and God tells Moses he is going to send Moses back to his people to lead them out of the land of slavery. And Moses protested. He said, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the same phrase, ego ime, is the phrase that is used here and Jesus applies to himself. It is the tetragrammaton, the name of God that was so sacred to the Jewish people that they refused to even pronounce it. Unlike so many modern-day cults, such as the Jehovah's Witness, the people in that audience that day knew that Jesus was claiming to be God. In fact, it so shocked them that they attempted to stone him for his blasphemy at the end of this sermon, verse 59. Leon Morris wrote, It is impossible to have the kind of faith that John describes without having a high view of Christ. Unless we believe that he is more than just another man, we can never trust him 
with that faith which is saving faith. To be a Christian, one must believe the full biblical revelation about Jesus. That he is the second person of the Trinity. That he entered space and time as God incarnate in the flesh. That he was born of a virgin. That he lived a sinless life. That his death on the cross is the only sufficient sacrifice for sins. That he rose from the dead. That he ascended to the Father in heaven. That he now intercedes on behalf of those who are redeemed. And that one day he will return in glory. You've been listening to another edition of Study Verse by Verse, and Pastor Leighton Sheely, our teacher, will pick things up right there in the book of John when we come back tomorrow for the Wednesday edition of our broadcast. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for joining us. This is a daily visit from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. The congregation supports in part this outreach, and the rest of it is covered by listeners just like yourself. If you'd like to join with us financially, just go to the website studyversebyverse.com, and uh, you can give safely there. Church of the Highlands is on the web at highlands.us. Have a great rest of your day, and be back tomorrow if you can when Pastor Layton will open the Word of God, and we will study verse by verse.